Two girls talking. You know what that means. It's time to talk. What's going on in the world? How about your business? How about your life? Let's talk it out. Two girls talking. Hey everyone, it's Anna. And it's Ashley. And today we're going to be tackling a very important yet difficult subject human trafficking. It's a huge global issue. It's actually a very local issue too. Yeah, we don't we don't think about it, but human trafficking happens in our own communities, all across the country and the globe, and that includes right here in the DMV where Ashley and I are. Ann Basham is our guest today. We're very, very happy to have her here. She is the CEO of Anti-Trafficking International, or ATI. That is a nonprofit that works to stop trafficking before it begins. So welcome, Ann. We're very, very happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so human trafficking, and, I, and I'm going to use the broader term. It, it also Human trafficking also includes sex trafficking, but it, it's broader than just sex trafficking. Am I correct in that? Absolutely. It includes labor trafficking, um, actually can include forced marriages. Yeah. But usually it refers to sex trafficking or labor trafficking. That's traditionally what people think of when they refer to it. And who are the big targets for trafficking? Well, when it comes to sex trafficking specifically, um, it's actually girls ages 11 to 15, shockingly young. Very young. That's terrifying because, I, I mean, I have kids in that range. Same. Same. Yeah, very, very sure. So one of the things I know that your curriculum and some of your outreach focuses on is grooming. And you hear that a lot. You hear that term, you know, you, you hear that term when it comes to pimps and prostitutes and for their prostitutes, all, all sorts of things. Tell us exactly what we're looking for for, for grooming because it can be very subtle, which of course is why they're also very successful. Absolutely. Well, interestingly, 90% of uh, trafficking victims are actually in living in their own home when they first trafficked. So mm-hmm. most people don't realize that it's not usually, you know, kidnapped off your front lawn. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest misconceptions. And that's why it's so important to understand grooming is because grooming is really how this happens. This is really the primary way, especially in the United States that, uh, specifically children and youth get lured into this. Um, so it starts with just someone developing a relationship. I always say no like, and trust, you know, it usually happens with someone that they know that they like, and that they trust. It's oftentimes a boyfriend. Um, so that's one of the most common ways. So it'll be a boyfriend who, um, appears nice, might even appear very nice to the family. Um, very, doting. Um, they use gifts often. So they're very generous. Um, they're usually very um, effusive in their praise. So they'll say things like, you look like a model, um, you know, just very hit, hit all those buttons that, you know, women, girls want to hear. And so that's usually often how it starts. It can also start with an employer. That's another way. Um, but those are some of the common ways that kids are groomed, generally speaking. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. An employer. Like I hadn't even thought of that. Um, I mean, like I'm just thinking as a parent, like, wow, what can we be doing to educate ourselves about this? I have three young girls at home and this is just terrifying to me. Like, what do we need to know as parents? What can we be doing? 
Absolutely. Well, employers, it's interesting. So one of um, one of my favorite stories to tell, because it actually illustrates not only the reason why we're here, but also a really hopeful story is um, there was one young woman and she or young lady, she was in high school, had a job at a mall, great family, um, you know, one of those little kiosks at the mall. And it was her employer, exactly that. And he was someone she knew, she liked him, she trusted him, he was developing the trust aspect of the relationship. And honestly, she heard our curriculum in school, and realized that the next day that she was probably going that this was she was being groomed, she realized she was being groomed and probably going to be meeting with him the next day, you know, for something that shouldn't be happening. And so she told her mom, which is really great really good reason why we have to have good relationships with our kids. But she went home and told her mom, her mom reported it to the police. This person was actually arrested. Turned out it was trafficking. I think multiple people were arrested and actually this person was prosecuted. So not only was she spared from trafficking because of the education she received, but actually we don't even know how many other people were spared because this person was actually taken off the street. So yeah. Well, I am, what I'm interested in, I heard you say something, your curriculum. So talk to us about your curriculum. I know that you work here in the United States, and I know that you work in other countries, and we'll get to that in a, in a bit. But when it, ta- when it comes to the curriculum, what age is, is your curriculum? Like, what grade is it for? And is it across all the different schools, I mean, all the different um, districts, school districts in the country? What are, what are we talking about here? Great question. Yeah, so our, our curriculum currently targets sixth grade through 12th grade, because that really is the prime key target specifically for trafficking. Um, and every grade is a little different. So um, my master's is actually in education with an emphasis in curriculum. And I can just tell you that really, obviously, a sixth grade student is going to get something that very different than a 12th grader, you know, the, what what they're able to um, cognitively handle, but also just emotionally handle. So we really focus at the sixth grade, seventh grade level on relationships, um, what is abuse in general, you know, those sort of signs, we don't really dive into what is trafficking. As we get into the high school age, the curriculum definitely dives into that. Um, As far as where our curriculum is, we actually, um, over 250,000 students every year are educated by our curriculum. And we are um, in three different continents. And this curriculum, we've adapted. So that's one of the neat things about our curriculum is that we really adapt it based on uh, the demographics of where it is. So every area where we're at. So for example, we're in Fairfax County schools and the curriculum there looks a little bit different than Loudoun County schools, for example, where we are as well. And of course, if we're when we're overseas and in other countries, those curriculums are going to be regionally a little bit different just so that they're more applicable, you know, to the people that... Um, are going to be using them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So how, well, I guess I'll ask you that at the very, very end. So you did say that your group works in different countries. Um, What countries and why those countries? Mm -hmm. Great question. Um, So we are currently, we have some in Nigeria. I believe we are in El Salvador. Of course, we're in the United States. Um, I don't have the list in front of me. I know there's a country in Europe as well. But what we do is we really integrate through a local contact. So for example, um, someone in that country really wants to bring our curriculum in there. We work with, we work um, with people on the ground because honestly, that's the most effective. You know, we don't want to come in there and say, 
we have the solution for you. We really want to work on the ground with um, people who are really there and able to implement it. And so that's, it's a real train the trainer model. And that's really what makes it so effective. It's, it's not just a great curriculum, but we really believe in empowering the people who are actually providing the curriculum. So anyway, in those countries, um, it's, it's all regionally done there. And we're really looking to expand um, elsewhere. So we've been working with some local contacts in other countries in, in um, Africa. I don't really want to say which countries right now and also mm -hmm. South America specifically um, to really get into some of those other countries um, and really make sure that the curriculum is targeted for them. I think, can we also go back to groomers? Because I, I feel like as a parent, I'm like, I need to know more. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's easy to point out monsters to our kids, like stay away from that guy. But like groomers are not like that, right? I mean, tell us like yeah. what are the signs um, of grooming that we as parents and our kids should be looking out for? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I think education should lower your fear as well. So I know as a parent, we hear this stuff. It sounds scary. Um, and I'm terrified. I'm scared. Yeah. Okay. I don't and want so to let my daughter out anymore. I know. I'm staying well, home, Alexandra. <laughs> <laughs> My goal is actually to lower some of that through some of this education as well, because what I what I want everyone to know is what it really looks like, but also kind of some of those vulnerabilities so that, you know, they're not worried, for example, that they're not that we shouldn't be careful with our kids outside, but not that we're worried that they're going to be kidnapped off their lawn is the primary way. Um, so first of all, before I get into grooming, I really want to see who they target, because I think this is as important as the grooming side of it is really traffickers often target young people who uh, lack a sense of belonging, who really are isolated in a way. So I, it's really important to encourage your children to have friends, to stay in friend groups that does provide um, a level of protection. So these are some of the things that, you know, parents can do. Um, the other thing is kids who are really looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, they're really, really looking for that. Traffickers look for that. And so before the grooming even starts, just to back up a little bit more, it's who is the trafficker targeting? Because they, you know, they're criminals. And what do criminals want? Criminals want easy. I mean, that's what they want at the end of the day, whether it's robbery or anything, you know, they want an easier target. And so that's, those are some of the things. But one of the biggest misconceptions is that, quote, it doesn't happen in my neighborhood. And I'm here to tell you in Fairfax County and in just about every county in the nation, it's everywhere. I mean, this is really the message I want to drive home is it's everywhere. And it's not something that happens, you know, um, in just broken homes or where, you know, there are other things. Uh, it's, it's really something that anyone can be vulnerable to. But some of these factors that I've mentioned do lower those vulnerabilities. So anyway, wanted to back up a little bit on that. Um, additionally, one last thing before we dive into that too, is just having a really great relationship with your kids, just keeping that open door policy, which I know can be harder as you know they get into those teen years, but just saying to your kids over and over, you know, you can tell me anything. You can tell me anything, even if you know that I won't agree with you, even if you know that I won't love it. I want you to know that you can tell me anything because really at the end of the day, what we've seen over and over is in those early stages of the grooming process, that is what keeps kids safe. So even back to the story that I told you earlier of that girl, it was great. She recognized the signs, but what was really key was she went home and told her mom, you know, that's right. who she went home and told. And for, that's what we want to see happening. So just as a parent, just to let you know, that's probably the number one thing that you can do is continue to tell your kids that and continue through repetition to tell them 
some of the things I'm going to say. Okay, so now to dive into grooming specifically. Um, so grooming actually looks a lot like what I said. It looks like flattery, so really excessive praise, um, really teaching your girls. If someone comes to you, I, I always say, and they say, you look like a model, those sort of things. Um, it also looks like gifts. They like to give gifts. They often will say, let's get you this, let's get you this, you know, things that really build trust. I mean, this, these are just basic things that build trust um, as well. They also, I will tell you, try to isolate. So this is one of the biggest grooming tactics is they really try to isolate from friends, from peers, from parents. Um, they try to kind of pull pull you out of that friend group, pull you out of your parental group, something to kind of get you isolated in a, in a way. Um, away from that. Those are the really, really big ones. So anyway, I'll stop there for now if, in case you want any, have any questions on that. I guess my question as, as a parent, um, I hear everything you're saying, but are there specific signs like in our children that we should be looking for to, to tip us off or in our, our, our kids' friends, whether that be a boy or a girl, you know, yeah. Is there, are there like, I don't know, mood? I mean, God knows teenagers are so moody anyway. But I mean, are there like attitude changes, behavioral changes, something we should look for? Absolutely. So signs that something else is going on very, they, and it's hard because they can be other things too. So um, specifically changes in their behavior, their mood. Absolutely. As you said, grade slipping is a big one. If their grades start slipping, um, those are some of them often changes in their appearance. So we, we used to have a picture of a trafficking survivor who was at the beginning versus, you know, they age very quickly. Weight changes are a big one. If you see a sudden weight fluctuation in honestly, either direction, a lot of times it's losing weight, but it can be either direction. Um, sleep deprivation. That's another one. They often are very sleep deprived um, for a variety of reasons, but those are some of the things that you would probably early on C. Now those could mean other things too. That's the problem. But really, as you dive into it, those are some of the most common signs. If a child has been trafficked and you know what, like, what do you do to get them back? Like, what does that look like if you, you identify the child? That is a great question. Well, first of all, law enforcement needs to be contacted. So if you know, I mean, if you know that a child has been trafficked, obviously law enforcement needs to get involved so that the trafficker can be caught and they can be prosecuted because we don't want this happening you know, to other people. Um, in addition to that, um, really, we have a parenting coalition. This is one of, honestly, the best programs that we offer and very, very unique. It fills a huge gap in the field because there are so many parents out there, once their child has been trafficked, they don't want to tell anyone because you don't want your child oftentimes known as a trafficking survivor for the rest of their lives. So it becomes a really difficult thing that some parents can come forward with that because their children are okay with it. But for a lot of parents, they have to suffer in silence and really cope in silence and so, um, or just with a therapist. So what we do here at ATI is we actually have a parent coalition and we offer support groups um, specifically for parents of survivors of human trafficking so that those parents have a real resource. Um, it's actually run by the a mom who, a mom of a survivor of human trafficking right here in Fairfax County. Her daughter was trafficked and um, honestly, she's an amazing woman and is a real example of just thriving, not just surviving, and um, her daughter as well. And so I think she's a real, real resource, but also can speak firsthand into how this, um, you know, how this plays out and how it can, how you really can come to the other side of it. So those are some of the quick resources that are available to parents. 
what are what what is the success rate in 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 saving um, the, the these kids, boys and girls? Uh, I realize that that when it comes to sex trafficking, trafficking girls are the bigger uh, object. But even when it comes to work tra- uh, labor entrapment, uh, uh, in, in, in what is the success rate in in, in saving in, in getting these kids back? So unfortunately, statistically, only one percent are recovered. And wow! Yeah, one percent. <laughs> so wow. I mean, let that sink in, and that's why to be very frank with you, our motto is stop human trafficking before it starts because prevention. So I used to work at the department of justice before this and specifically, um, had human trafficking in my portfolio. And I can just tell you that there is the least amount of funding spent on prevention of any aspect of this fight on human trafficking. So because once a person has been trafficked, it takes so much to help them to thrive again, you know, counseling, medical care, all of that. Um, Most resources are spent on the cycle. I call it rescue, restore, and then repeat. You know, basically, even after a number of survivors get out, the statistics are that many of them go back and for various reasons, you know, um, we can get into it another time. But we really are here to stop that cycle of just rescue, restore, repeat, because as great as it is to rescue someone and help them get restored, really, we want to make sure that this never happens. And, you know, knowing a number of survivors, I can tell you, you can't meet them and not think to yourself, I just wish this had, you know, I'm so grateful that you are doing well, but I wish that you didn't ever have to go through this pain. You can't. Think about it. You just wish that you don't want anyone to have to go through that. And so um, we actually are launching at the end of this month, the National Human Trafficking Intelligence Center. And it specifically addresses just what you've said, this 1%. And it actually is the only one of its kind in the country. It fills a huge gap in the field. Um, So what it does is it specifically helps to recover youth faster. That's it. Hmm. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, nuts and bolts and specifics behind it, but that's exactly what it does. And we employ um, really high quality intelligence analysts, incredible, incredible technology. We're partnering actually with ShotSpotter, who is the, the leader in detecting um, gun violence all across this nation. In fact, we were just at a press conference this week um, here in Washington, D.C. with the mayor of Washington um, discussing how ShotSpotter is here. They're being It's being used all across um, the district, um, New York City, a number of other cities. Um, to really detect gun violence early. Anyway, they have graciously partnered with us for NHTIC specifically so that we can do just that, so that we can, you know, detect human trafficking much faster and get to these youth much faster so that that 1% changes, you know, so that we don't have that 1% recovery rate so that it goes much higher. And that that's based here in the DMV? Yes, so it's but it's actually all across this, the country because that's one of the things with trafficking is someone's trafficked and if they truly if they are no longer in their home they're taken out of the area. I mean, traffickers are smart; they're not going to keep them right there once they're out of the house, you know. So really, it becomes you know how do we coordinate and we we assist law enforcement and that's really what we do at the end of the day is we relieve and alleviate that burden of the investigative process because their funds are low. There's, um, you know, they have a lot on their plate and every police department's different. And so, you know, to ask them, you know, police department here to coordinate with someone here and try to figure that out, you can see how things 
you know, once a, a, a victim is taken out of the state, what do you do? And so we're really there as a national human trafficking intelligence center to be able to look at and analyze data from all over the country so that we can really track where is this person and how can we get to them and then um, coordinate appropriately with law enforcement. Is, like, do you have data on, you know, like geographically in the United States where is trafficking like more prevalent, like in D.C.? Like, where is it the biggest problem in the country or is it just everywhere? That's a great question. Well, first of all, I will say it really is everywhere. And I don't have the most current numbers in front of me, so I don't want to speak to that. I mean, yes, there are certain areas where we say, oh, it could be higher here than other. I will tell you the state of Virginia itself, because we're in Virginia, is sixth in the nation for federal prosecutions. Now, most are not federally prosecuted, most trafficking cases, but still sixth. That's Mm -hmm. pretty high. (laughs) I mean, that's the state of Virginia. So sixth out of 50 states is pretty high. So um, I just can tell you it happens everywhere, though. I got another news article from an area where you wouldn't suspect it happens. And uh, my colleague texted me back and said, hashtag, it's everywhere. And I thought, yep. And I was talking to the mayor of D.C. this week and she said, it's everywhere. And I said, it is. It's everywhere. And so I really have to say it might be prevalent in some places more than others. But also prevalence is hard to monitor. I don't know that the statistics on human trafficking are um, all, you know, as perfectly accurate as we would like them to. So I don't really know that we have that full number. So if somebody if somebody suspects of a parent suspects uh, their child, this is happening. Obviously, they should contact law enforcement. But what should we do? Is there something that we as parents should do once that once we've we've passed that stage of uh, always keeping the door open and talking to them? Our, our child is now we think in this cycle. What do, what can we do as parents? Just call police, uh, lock the doors. What do we do? Great, great question. Well, first of all, you can absolutely contact us. So to contact the police, I'm going to be real, it's very scary for most people. In mm-hmm. fact, they we, we saw a study recently, and I can't pull it up, where it said most people will not report human trafficking unless they're 100% certain. Well, that's a pretty big number, you know, to be 100% yeah. certain, because um, it is scary to pick up the phone. Our goal is actually to increase the number of reporting. That is our goal. And if you can report to us instead of having to report to the police, we believe more people will report. And mm. that's really the bottom line. And we're here to do that. So, um, yeah, that's probably the, the best bet. If somebody wants your curriculum, how do they, I mean, if, if, if somebody listening, one of our, our educators who are listening, and, and, you know, Ash and I are lucky, it's already in our school districts in our school district where we live. And I know this for a fact. Um, I know you've spoken to area schools, including my child. So thank you very much. Um, but say somebody is listening and they want to, uh, they, they want to add your curriculum, your very important curriculum. How should they do that? What, what, what should they do? Yeah, just contact us directly. So the email address is info, I-N-F-O at prevent, and that is all on the website too. You can c- contact us directly through the website as well, but it's info at preventht.org. And we will absolutely get you information on curriculum in your area. And how can parents and anyone who's listening get more involved in helping this effort and raising yes. awareness? 
Yes. We would love that. Well, first of all, we have a link on our website um, where you can learn more information, just a little download on the parenting side, but we are always looking for volunteers. To be honest, we're always looking for people who are going to be financial partners as well. We can only go as far as we have gas in our tank, so to speak. So we get calls all the time from law enforcement, from um, school districts, honestly, who don't have the funding. They don't have the funding and it does mm. cost money. And so we we do our best, but we do it based on the donations we get and how we're able to adapt to that curriculum and really get it in there. So um, those are probably the primary two ways. What What is your uh, website address so people can go to it and get all this incredibly important information? Yeah, it's um, prevent, P-R-E-V-E-N-T, ht.org so preventht.org okay wow this has been so amazing and like i feel like i have learned so much um and i feel like i also have a lot more to learn and i just want to thank you yeah i mean i i thought especially because i've spoken to you a, a few times i thought i had a fairly um I don't want to say handle on it because I clearly don't, but I thought I knew uh, a bit and I actually feel like I know nothing. (laughs) So uh, it's, thank you so much. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for coming on. And secondly, and more importantly, thank you so much for the work that you are doing. Cause I mean, this is a challenge. Mm -hmm. It is a challenge. It is a huge, gigantic task. And I'm so just, in awe that that you and your colleagues are taking this on. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I want to thank your listeners as well for listening and caring and wanting to get educated on this because I know it's a heavy topic, you know, and so sometimes it's easy to just want to plug our ears or, you know, pretend it's not happening here. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being willing to talk about this, you two. And um, thank you to the listeners for wanting to get educated on it. Truly. It's a topic that is difficult, but it must be faced. Yes. Yes. It's so true. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what. I'm sorry. Say that again. Oh, I said, and it's not an impossible task either. That's the thing. I think people hear it and they think, oh, we can't do it, but we really can address it. And we really can lower those numbers and, you know, tackle this. Well, I am going to go to your website and see if there's any kind of volunteer stuff um, that I can do because it is such a very important, just, just the whole issue is very important. It, and, you know, it's our future. It's, it's, it's our world's future. Our children are our world's future. So, you know, yeah, it's very important. Thank you again. And thank you, listeners, uh, for staying with us. We know it's a heavy topic. And uh, we just hope that you get, actually, and I hope that you get as much as, as we got out of it because we did. We got a lot out of this. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much. Talk to you listeners again in two weeks. Bye, everyone.